Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, Falcoholics. What is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by a very illustrious guest. He is former Commander's receiver and the host of the Believe in Commander's podcast, Anthony Armstrong at Mr. Armstrong 13 on Twitter. Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. The weather's a little... A little, a little cloudy over here in Texas, but you know it's Thanksgiving week, so can't can't complain about that. Everything is good. How are you? Good, good. It's uh, I live in uh, upstate New York, so it's quite cold. <laughs> oh man, you Very got cold all that today. snow. Yeah. yeah, I dodged it. So I live in Syracuse, uh, and a lot of everyone's been calling me asking me like, "Oh, are you buried under snow?" And I was like, "I actually we we didn't get any snow. We got like some dusting." So it's uh, wow. Buffalo got like seventy seven inches. We got like maybe maybe an inch. Uh, so. <laughs> That's yeah, something. it's just how it goes. That lake effect snow. It's very like localized. So that's what's above my. I see. We got a couple of lakes down here, but we don't get mm-hmm. snow like that in Texas. Yeah. So. It's all about the the Great Lakes. It's like a unique weather phenomena, uh, especially about this time of year. So it's 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 fascinating. But uh, we'll I'll save that the for the meteorology. Yeah, we'll yeah, save that I'll for the meteorology pod. Yeah. <laughs> but guys, we are here to preview the Falcons versus the Commanders in Week Twelve. Uh, a crucial game for both teams, actually. Uh, the Falcons trying to sort of hold on to a playoff chance and uh, really only a half game out of first place in the NFC South because of how poor the NFC South is. The Commanders, in a completely opposite situation, having a winning record but currently sitting outside of the playoffs at 6-5 and five because the Eagles... Uh, have won a bunch of games. The Giants have won a bunch of games, but also right on the cusp of that second, uh, third wild card spot. So right in the mix as well. Anthony, uh, a lot of interesting things going on with the Commanders. Taylor Heineke at cornerback again. Uh, Falcons fans very familiar from how he uh, whooped us last year. Uh, how are how are things with the Commanders uh, at this point in the season? Yeah, I think right now the team is in a in a great position, and I was just sitting back looking. I was like, this is probably as good of a position they could be in, you know. And it just it sucks that the rest of the division is playing so well. I mean, six and five with, and you have the bye week coming up, and you still get Chase Young coming back at some point potentially this game. Uh, well, he is activated. 
that's a great spot to be sitting in uh, for for this team. Yeah, you you made a switch from more, you know Carson Wentz back to Taylor Heineken. I think that he's brought some he's brought some calm to the offense. I mean, yes, you know he's going to put the ball in some risky situations here and there, but I think to the offense and the team overall has reacted better to him being under center and. And, you know, I'm excited for how they can finish this season. I think things are set up well uh, for them to find their way into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think I agree. And I think the betting markets agree with you as well. Uh, most markets seem to favor the commanders over the Giants, sort of expecting the Giants to fall off, which seems like everyone has been sort of expecting that to happen. It's it's kind of yeah. started over the past couple of weeks, yeah. but um, really just That's- a, a game and a half. I think out they run out point. of gas. I think they've run yeah. out of gas. I, I mean, the Giants is great. The great story, I mean, Brian Dayball has been doing an awesome job with that team. But it just seems to be, you know, one, you, you, you trade away Kadarius Tony, And then now you have uh, one of the receivers has a torn ACL. So, and then, and then Kenny Galladay had never really gotten going. So they're losing at very you know, important positions. And you have Saquon Barkley, who's you know, probably one of the comeback players of the year. Uh, yeah. So it, it, it's tough to see them finding a way to, to get over the hump and they have some tough game to finish the season. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I, I think I would agree with the market saying that it's more likely that the commanders, if they stay at this pace, are going to overtake them at some point. Um, probably difficult to catch the Eagles at this point, but uh wild card in the NFC completely wide open. So a great shot for the commanders. Also by the same token, the Falcons, if, they were to get a win over the commanders this week would now have wins over three of the potential NF, uh, NFC wildcard teams. They've beaten the Seahawks, the 49ers, and then the commanders. So that could be uh, a very interesting situation uh, if they were to do that and somehow tie uh, with all these teams at the end of the season. But we got a long way to go uh, before we potentially get to that scenario. So we'll focus on week 12 now before we start doing all the playoff math. Uh, but yeah, this is a, I think this is a particularly challenging matchup for the Falcons uh, who have managed to run the ball quite well, but have not pass protected at at a high level. And that is one of Washington's specialties. Um, So we'll start off looking at the Falcons passing attack versus the commander's pass defense. Um, Secondary has seemingly been a strength uh, with Cam Cam Curl doing a great job. Uh, I think Derek Forrest has also been playing really well. Uh, mm-hmm. And, of course, you've got uh, Fuller at one of the cornerback spots. Uh, the Falcons just lost Kyle Pitts, possibly for the season, that possibly hurts. not. Um, that's a big loss. Uh, we still do have Drake London, who's been one of the best rookie wide receivers. Alamene Zacchaeus has stepped up along with Demir Bird as the speedster. But overall, the Falcons passing game, not a high volume attack, certainly. It's been efficient, but pretty mediocre on the whole. Uh, and then, of course, the pass rush of Washington, like we said, uh, really good and possibly Chase Young coming back. So how do you feel about that matchup of the Falcons? Uh, well, we'll say limited passing attack versus Washington's uh, very, very uh, fearsome pass defense. You know, I have to give all of the advantage to Washington in this category just based off the front, the front five, front four, you know, that, that Washington's going to line up. I mean, between John Allen, uh, Montez Sweat, and Deron Payne, I mean, you got six and a half sacks by two inside tackles, and then Sweat is adding six sacks. Plus, he has like 20 quarterback hits. These guys get after the quarterback, and if you're not protecting Marcus Mariota, it's going to make for a very, very long day. And the other side of it is that these guys are really good against the run. 
So it's going to make it very difficult. You're going to have to decide how you want to win and, and attack Washington, but you got to give the edge to Washington here. That whole defensive line is extremely talented, and they're probably licking their chops, especially coming off this game against the Texans. Yeah, that was utter domination uh, for someone who has D- Damian Pearson fantasy. Uh, know how well that went for <laughs> Houston. It did not go well at all. Um <clears throat> and what about uh, Chase Young? Has there been any? I know it's early, we're recording this a little bit earlier in the week than we normally would, so we haven't gotten a practice report at this time. But do you think Chase Young's probably going to play this week, or is it more of a questionable tag? Yeah, I think it would probably lean to questionable. And listening to the broadcast last week, they're just saying that it really comes down to him mentally being ready to to play. You know, I mean, you have to be able to quickly put your foot in the ground plant, change direction, and react without having any sort of hesitation. If there's hesitation on the on the football field in the NFL, bad things happen. You get hurt, you give a big play. So when he had, returns to his normal form where he's reacting and just being able to put his foot in the ground and move, that's when you know he's going to be out there. Uh, is that going to happen this week? I'm not sure. I wouldn't necessarily rush it. Uh, I knew that they had to activate him by uh, by Wednesday to get him, you know, to have him for the season. So you have to activate him, period. Uh, does he play this week? I don't think he has to. I think the matchup, what you have already, you can roll out and get a win against Atlanta. Uh, so maybe he's going to be dressed and he's on the 53, but you probably won't see him on the field that much. Yeah, it's such a different situation compared to the Falcons where we're just looking for any bodies on the defensive line right now in addition to losing Kyle Pitts. We also lost Taquan Graham, who was actually one of our biggest contributors there uh, to IR as well. So it's just, uh, so it's, it's interesting to see like, oh yeah, Chase Young, you know, he can take the week off. It's okay. Yeah, we, we're, we're fine. You know, it's, oh wow. Yeah, this Falcons fan. I know Falcons fans are very interested in uh, Deron Payne potentially in free agency. Do you think there's a chance he leaves in free agency or do you think Washington's going to be aggressive in trying to resign him? I mean, I just just read a tweet uh, by J.P. Finlay. He was speaking to Ron Rivera, and he said that he like they got to find a way to keep Deron Payne paired up with John Allen, and they know it's going to be an expensive price tag, but you, you got to find a way to do it. I mean, just it's hard to find a better tag team duo. I mean, you think about uh, you know Bebop and Rocksteady. Like these guys are completely dominating, and they work so well together. And the scary thing is that you have the rookie. Fedarian Mathis, who's been on IR since about week two. Yeah. And, you know, so he could be dominating player down the line as well. But I think that Washington's going to – they're going to try to throw everything at Deron Payne to keep him in the building. Um, and hopefully he gives them a little hometown discount. But Atlanta, I'm sure they're waiting with their yeah. hands wide open and, and, a, and a blank check to bring a dominating <laughs> player like Deron uh, back down south. Yeah, because Falcons haven't had cap space – for years uh they're dealing with the most dead cap in nfl history in terms of dollar amount this year was 77 million uh so they only are right this year they're only working with about 60 percent of the cap next year however they will have upwards of i think 70 to 80 million in cap space uh so they they're gonna go hard for some players i know deron pay next to grady jarrett probably just like deron pay next to jonathan allen very tantalizing duo so we'll have to see how that plays out but I would also uh, expect Washington to do the the full court press to keep them there. Um, it does seem like if there's any place to attack the Washington pass defense, it's probably the cornerbacks with Benjamin St. Just. Uh, and is who's playing the slot? Is it is it Fuller? Or is it uh, one of the other guys? Well, you know, Washington's been rolling out with more of a three-safety look now, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got Derek Forrest and... 
uh, you know, Derek Forrest and Cam Curled ranked one and two as the top, you know, safeties in the league. But then you throw in Bobby McCain. You know, he's a guy that's able to play in that slot position as well. Uh, Cam Curl's also able to get down into the box and, and help with tackling, being close to the line of scrimmage. But out, out wide, Benjamin St. Juice is actually playing really well. He's doing a good job. we got to see if he's going to be okay. He went out with an injury uh, this last game. So we'll see if he's going to be all right. Okay, something to monitor there potentially. Um, next up would be the Falcons' rushing attack versus the Commanders' rush defense, which is exceptional. Falcons uh, also exceptional at running the ball. Uh, they are still one of the NFL's best rushing attacks. Outrushed, uh, notably outrushed the uh, Bears last week, who were the NFL's number one rushing attack. Um Right now, the Falcons are third in yards, fourth in attempts, and sixth in yards per attempt, but the Commanders are no slouches at stopping the run either. Uh, I believe Washington is in the top 10 in most metrics at defending the run, so this is one of the marquee matchups to watch in this game. Falcons rolling out Chris Lindstrom, who's the number one guard right now, according to PFF. Uh, Caleb McGarry's having a bounce back year and a contract year. Jake Matthews, of course, we know is good. Uh, The left side and the center position, a little bit weaker up front right now. Um, Drew Dahlman having an okay second year. And then the Falcons lost starting guard Elijah Wilkinson to IR uh, a couple weeks back. And they've been sort of rotating a million players at that spot. We know, of course, about the running backs, uh, most notably (laughs) Corderell Patterson. Uh, who just set the NFL record for kickoff return touchdowns last week uh, with nine. And uh, they've got a stable of guys behind him as well with uh, Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier uh, doing a great job. Uh, Anthony, what do you think about that potential matchup uh, for the commanders trying to stop Atlanta's uh, rushing offense here? I think on the rushing side, I think it's gonna be okay. I got a little my my, my little my little oh, yeah. guy showed up for the all right. Got the, a guest for appearance. The taping and yeah, a yeah. guest appearance with, with Arrow oh. here, but uh, I think that the rushing game is gonna line up well for for Washington. I mean, they're they're very stout up front. You saw how they they defended uh, against Houston, and then over the past you know games, they've been completely dominant against the run. So uh, I'm I'm interested to see how they handle uh, a Cordero Patterson just because his. Uh, ability to run some routes and you know how is he going to match up against you know linebackers like Jamin Davis and and against other safeties so there are some matchups out there that that you have to pay attention to and and another one to think about is Marcus Mariota the guy is going to use his legs and you go back to how how you had to handle Jalen Hurts you know you, you adjust how you rush the passer a little bit to make sure you keep him in the pocket so uh, I, I do want to know though I, I want to ask you this though how how does Atlanta replace uh, a Kyle Pitts, you know, he's such a weapon. How do you plan on replacing that? Yeah, it, it's difficult, you know, it, and some fans are very sort of negative about it and saying that like, oh, well, you only threw him a handful of passes every game anyway. So like, what are we really replacing? But I think the value of Kyle Pitts comes in a lot of ways. He's really developed as a blocker this year. They've made that a point of emphasis to make him closer to a, a guy that, and I think that's part partially because they run the ball so much, but partially because they really do want teams to, question whether or not he's going to to go off into a route on these run plays um but I think just the presence and and the threat of Kyle Pitts is so vital to this offense and 
without it, I, I think it's going to make things even more difficult for a passing game that already wasn't really throwing the ball particularly well. Um, and it wasn't throwing the ball particularly well to Kyle Pitts. Uh, one of the craziest stats is Pitts has been targeted, I think, over 60 times, but over 30% of his targets uh, this year were considered uncatchable or off target. Uh, so it, it was a pretty dire situation there. They're just the chemistry between... Mariota and Pitts was not really there um but I think without Pitts even being a, a just a threat to take some of the pressure off the run game that it's not going to lead to any good things for the Falcons offense and they do have some some good tight ends mostly blocking types and Parker Hesse and Michael Pruitt and they're probably going to try to get Felipe Franks who they've converted to tight end uh he's sort of the Kyle Pitts backup because he's big and athletic he just hasn't really shown an ability to catch anything yet this season, but uh, if he ever figures it out, that's great. I mean, he was tearing it up in training camp now that the season start hasn't really done much, but that's probably the guy they're going to try to lean on as a potential receiving threat at tight end. But yeah, at this point, it's um, it's dire, I think. That's <laughs> interesting. I was just watching the tape uh, against the Bears, and I just was so interested to see, like, Cal Pitt spent more time split out. Like they use him more as a receiver, and I I understand. I'm like I'm, I, I kind of questioned it, but then I'm also wondering. I'm like, well, I mean, I guess you do get a good size advantage now. You have you know six five Drake London on one side. Now you have Kyle Pitts, who's big and fast, on the other side. So maybe that's what they're thinking. But I don't know. It, it's, it's not my that's not my job to see how to utilize <laughs> uh, these really talented players. But I, mean, I, I think that Atlanta has some. There are some talented pieces. I mean, it is definitely, I think, a team that probably overachieving right now, yep. you know, being five and six, but uh, there's a bright future. You get the get get the right quarterback, right system, and start cleaning up protection, I think you'd be okay. Yeah, I, I think that's very true, and I, I know that uh, fans have been clamoring for Desmond Ritter, uh, the rookie, which is, you know, I think it's – when they're still in playoff contention, it's hard to to make a change like that. Obviously, the passing game has been very low volume and pretty limited with Mariota at the helm, but what he offers as a runner and his understanding of the offense that he's had multiple years in, even before coming to Atlanta, it, it makes a lot of sense. But um, yeah, it's, it's a limited passing game, and without Kyle Pitts, it'll be even more limited, and I can't imagine that will help the running game in any way uh, going into this, this matchup where when teams have... The Falcons have faced a more stacked boxes, I think, than any other team this year on offense, uh, and they've handled it well. I mean, they're still a top rushing attack, but I it's really going to be hard against good defenses to get away with with that. Like they're going to have to make defenses pay for stacking the box eventually. I'm not sure that they're really in their current construction built for it. I mean, I think they have the passing game weapons. Mariota has been limited. Uh, I think it's partially his fault, but the other side of the coin is that the offensive line, while they've been excellent at run blocking, pretty bad at pass protection. So against good pass rushes, also it's it's that's another limiting factor for this offense. I can I agree with all of that. I mean, shoot, that's what I saw on tape. Yeah, and tape don't lie. You know what I mean? Yeah, they've got you know Chris Lindstrom, Jake Matthews, uh, good pass blockers. Everyone else, it's been a, a little bit of a journey <laughs> every single week. Uh, watch the pass protection, but moving to the uh, Washington side of the football, looking at the Washington passing game, Taylor Heineke, again, uh, I think has provided an upgrade over Carson Wentz. Now that wasn't necessarily saying a lot, but I, I do think he's definitely provided a spark. As you said, 
Uh, we know the passing game weapons well with Terry McLaurin. Uh, Jahan Dotson, I know, had missed some time with injury, uh, but I think he's back now. Curtis Samuel's been a very versatile player for them. And then, of course, the running backs in the passing game have always been a factor. Um, so it gets the, pa- the Falcons' pass defense, which they did get A.J. Terrell back last week in a limited role. It seems like he'll be back more full-time this week. Um they do have Darren Hall, the second-year corner, who's been playing well. The safeties have been okay. The slot position has been okay. Uh, so hopefully the passing game has has stabilized a bit for them because in Terrell's absence, this was the NFL's worst pass defense. So um, Washington hasn't been incredible offensively. I think they're in the low 20s overall. Uh but that was a lot of a lot of that was with Carson Wentz. So how do you feel about Washington's passing game matching up with the Falcons pass defense that's maybe getting a little healthier, maybe getting a little better at rushing the passer at this point in the season? <laughs> well, the, one of the big things that I was looking at, I just noticed that they didn't don't really bring that much pressure. Um, and when they do, it's it's in certain situations like they're trying to bring pressure on a third down. Um, and I think the lack of the lack of sacks and not being able to bring pressure uh, can uh, can actually hurt against you know against a guy like Taylor Heineke who, who can extend some plays and you give him some time to get the ball to his playmakers. Eventually, somebody's going to get open. So, outside of that, um, I think talent wise, if AJ Terrell's out there, you got to think is he going to get focused on just uh, on covering? <laughs> Turn my light off, right, man. Uh, <laughs> If, is, is A.J. Terrell going to get matched up on Terry McLaurin? Um, do you have that ability to do so? I think Washington has a lot of weapons across the board. You mentioned all those receivers, plus Logan Thomas is back out there. And, and Heineke is not afraid to get the ball to their best guy and, and Taylor, uh, Taylor and Terry McLaurin. Um, so he's going to get him the football. I think the matchup, it, it it's pretty good simply because, you know, shoot, what, you, Falcons give up a lot of yards through the air. They really do. Yes. Yeah. Close to 3000 yards this year. So when you're sitting back in zones and you're not getting pressure with your front four, it ends up having, that's how your quarterback sounds, right? He's like, help me, help me get open. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, it's, it's been a dicey situation. Certainly the Falcons have had to play a lot of zone, particularly after Terrell went down. I think they've actually played a lot better in man, but I, I, they just, the pass rush hasn't been there. Last week they were able to finally get some pressure going against the Bears, uh, who we know have maybe the worst pass protection situation in the league, and Justin Fields takes a lot of sacks. So they finally got uh, had a good sack game, uh, four sacks last week. But uh, they've done that only one time this year otherwise, which was week one. So um, it, it's been a, a very up-and-down performance by the pass defense, but mostly down, and I, I agree with you that it, it's tough for them to really stop any concerted effort to pass against them. All right, Anthony, let's transition into talking about the commander's rushing attack versus the Falcons' run defense. Uh, Atlanta's run defense actually been solid. Uh, I think they're 11th in yards per carry allowed. They have faced a lot of good rushing attacks, especially over the last few weeks, like I just mentioned, the the Bears. Uh, So they've given up some overall yardage, but in terms of efficiency, been been pretty solid. Uh, Doesn't seem like the run game is a huge factor for Washington um I believe they're what is it uh, like about league average but in overall yardage but uh close to the bottom in terms of efficiency with only 3.9 yards per attempt on average I know 
there's certainly some buzz around Brian Robinson, who's a terrific story. Uh, he's provided a spark there. Antonio Gibson always been uh, quality running back, also a very good pass catcher. I know J.D. McKissick is a factor there as well. Uh, what do you think uh, about that? And then also, of course, at the offensive line's ability to open holes there, uh, it is a a diverse group. Uh, I know Andrew Norwell was a guy that the Falcons were super excited to potentially bring in. Uh, didn't end up making that work. It seems like that hasn't been uh, the most impactful addition, certainly, but... Uh, there's a lot of guys there that are good. I know Charles Leno is having a great season, and you guys have had to weather some injuries as well. So how how do you feel about the run game's ability to match up with Atlanta's actually pretty decent uh, run defense? Yeah, I think that it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those one where they're just trading blows back and forth. You know, Washington they they have a commitment to the run as of late. It's a part of their identity. Uh, Brian Robinson brings that physicality. Think of it like a flash and dash of the, the old Titans of the past, right? Uh, thunder and lightning. So you know, Brian Robinson is gonna be that physical back that's gonna run in between the tackles, get downhill, and move the pile. You know, he's very 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 aggressive run. He doesn't give up. So it's good to have his presence. And I mentioned it earlier. It gives Antonio Gibson that chance to work around the edge. And and looking at the tape against the Bears, I mean, the, the secondary uh, for the Falcons, they're not too interested in, in getting in there and trying to tackle somebody. So I think it was the first carry of the game, David Montgomery was on the edge. It was three missed tackles. Yep. And I'm like, you could tell just right there, these guys don't want anything to do with this tackling. Um, so AG on the edge is going to be something that you're going to see happen a lot, trying to get him in space and think about the receivers. I mean, the short passing game is an extension of the running game, and Curtis Samuel is one of the most dynamic players uh, in space. So he's going to be able to make some people miss. And there can be some big plays, uh, but when you just talk about handing it off to the running back, I would love to see Washington average four, four and a half yards carry versus three, three and a half yards. Uh, and that way you'd see some instant, you know, those numbers go up. But it's it's the amount of carries and the commitment to the run that makes this offense tick. Um, so once again, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect them to have a huge day on the ground just because Atlanta does do a pretty good job against the run. Uh, but the commitment to the run is going to be paramount for Washington. Yeah, yeah, I know it's it's important. And the Falcons as well, of course, one of the highest volume run teams in the NFL. So definitely know uh, what that looks like. And yeah, I'd expect Washington to try it. I, it's one of those things where I feel like eventually teams always take the path of least resistance against the Falcons and figure out that like, actually, if you just throw the ball, you just yards are always there. So uh, it's, it's like the, teams eventually go towards that. Yeah, but, but the thing, but the tough part though, and I don't have any problem with it. Like I, I get it, but... You know, you when you still you got a quarterback, you know, love Taylor Heineke, uh, but he's been prone to, you know, throw the ball away and give it to to give it away to the team here and there. Um, and hell, Carson Wentz has too. So it's kind of a lot of people will do it. So you just got to avoid those bad, bad plays. So if, if you're making good decisions with the football, then sure, you can throw it away, chuck it around all up and down the field all you want. It's just make sure that the team, uh, the, the, the the Falcons don't get the ball. You don't want them to get it. So, uh, hey. Yeah, I think the way that the Falcons play defense, uh, they need the pass rush to show up more. If yeah. you're only going to have four, you really got to make sure you get home. If you're not, then you're going to give up 3,000 yards through 11 games. Yeah, and it 
it hasn't been good, like I said, so far in the pass rushing department. They did have a, a, a big game last week, but that was the Bears, and we all know about their pass protection woes. So we'll see if they can they can turn it on this week against the Commanders, who uh, I think have been solid at protecting the quarterback. I don't think it's it's. I mean, Washington's always known for having a very good offensive line. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it's definitely a matchup. I think on paper that favors Washington, particularly when Washington's on defense. I I just have a hard time seeing the Falcons be they're they're a team that's going to blast teams that can't stop the run. They will absolutely blast teams that can't do that uh, with the run game. But if you could stop the run. And, of course, if you have a good pass defense, the passing game is so limited for the Falcons. Now, without Kyle Pitts, I, I, it's a very dangerous situation for them to be in where if they can't run the ball effectively and they get into third and longs against a good pass defense, I don't think this is a passing game that can really succeed there. Um, they have managed to get create some turnovers on the defensive side, so that's always an equalizing factor. I know you mentioned, you know, that's, Heineke, the that's, that's his, that's his weakness is he does you got like what yeah. nine interceptions on the year, but you only have 17 sacks. I think were the numbers. Yeah. So like, you, like I said, you're not getting home, but there are some good chances that you know, you're getting your hands on the football. So it's definitely a, a trade-off, but you know, Washington, it's not, they're not, it doesn't favor them to get into a shootout where you're trying to throw the ball up and down the field. Hand that sucker off 40 times. That's what they're going to do. It's going to be like that. And they'll, they'll, they'll be some big plays throughout the, throughout the game, but we don't want to throw it 40 times. Not at all. Yeah. No, I think that's very fair. And, uh, the Falcons have tended to make every game close, uh, except for not, yeah. two, uh, yeah. and, and, the ones that weren't close probably could have been close if if a couple of plays changed. So that that's definitely even one thing they're good at. So I, I do think that uh, it's going to be a one-score game because that's just how this Falcons team plays. Uh, mm. But how are you feeling about this game? What's your prediction going into Week 12 for how this one's going to go? You know, I think it, uh, Washington's are two-and-a-half-point favorites, and I, I think they can cover that. Uh, hell, I think they can probably win by seven. Um, this is just a team that's tra- uh, on the right trajectory right now. They're going in the right direction, and and the matchup against Atlanta, like we've already been over it, everything kind of checks the boxes in Washington's favor. Uh, a couple things you do need to watch out for. Make sure you keep Marcus Mariota contained. Uh, Cordero Patterson is a very talented player. You saw that that guy can still scamper. He can still take it 100 and some odd yards uh, for a touchdown. So if, if the special teams are sound, and, and just play your game. Play your game with Washington. I think they'll be okay. Um, I think that defense is just going to be just too too smothering early and often for, uh, against Atlanta. So I think Washington can get this game. They can win it probably like a 27 to 10 type of a matchup, maybe 27 to 17 if they want it to get a little interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think right about that is is what I'm expecting as well. I just I don't like the matchup. I, it's a crucial game for the Falcons. So I'm sure they'll come out uh, – you know, fired up for this one. So we'll see if, if they can make something happen. But yeah, I do think that uh, it's probably going to be like a 27 to 20 type of game uh, or something along those lines, because I just don't see them having a great day offensively. But the equalizer would be if they can keep Washington from having a good day offensively, because if they can get the turnovers, that's that's the one path I see for them to possibly pull off an upset here. But um, it's crucial. It's crucial for both teams because Washington's got to keep pace. Uh, in the NFC East and take advantage if the the Giants falter and the Falcons probably can't afford to lose again before their bye in Week 14 if they want to keep up with the Bucks. Who we'll st- we're still trying to see if the Bucks can do anything because if the Bucks keep losing, then maybe you know you could just 
coast right into the playoffs with a losing record, but uh, I'm not going to depend on that. Can we just take the whole division out? Just eliminate (laughs) the whole division this year. It's one of those years, yeah, where it's like, it's it's possible that you could get a a losing record team with a a top four seed from the NFC South. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that happened, uh, I don't know if it was the the last time from that division, the Saints did it, and they went all the way up to... Well, they got to host the game and ended up beating yeah. the Seahawks or something like that. So yeah, the Panthers uh, also, I think they got in at seven, eight, and one uh, one mm. year recently. So yeah, <laughs> and the Commanders got in with mm. a uh, they won the division with a sub five hundred record. So hey, all you gotta do is get into the playoffs, and once yeah. you're there, you know you you let ever you let the chips fall where they may. And um, but right now, this weekend right here, I, this is going to be a tough one for for Atlanta, man. I, I think you're going to have a rough matchup up there in FedEx. Yeah, I, I do think it doesn't line up well for Atlanta, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if they – the last time I felt this bad about the actual matchup, they ended up beating the 49ers. But that team was hilariously injured. So um, I don't think the commanders are dealing with anywhere near the volume of injuries that the 49ers are. So we can't depend on that this time. But – Anthony, really appreciate your time. Guys, he is at Mr. Armstrong13 on Twitter, host of the Believe in Commanders podcast. Anything else you want to add or plug, Anthony, before we sign off? Man, I, just, I appreciate y'all for, for listening. And, and Kevin, I appreciate your patience uh, in getting this one filmed. And I find it crazy. So my co-host, Brian Murphy, he's in Atlanta. Oh. He's a he's a Washington fan. You're in upstate New York. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're an Atlanta fan. So um, it's uh, everybody's all over the place. The internet is a crazy thing, man. But no, appreciate y'all. Check us out. Believe in Commanders on all streaming platforms. Appreciate you, Kevin. Absolutely, guys. And I am Kevin Knight at Falcohol. Kevin, you can follow me there on Twitter, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Leave us a five star review if you're listening. Uh, like and subscribe for watching this on YouTube. And uh, we will be back Wednesday night uh because this is being filmed early but well this you won't hear this till after wednesday night, but you can go back and listen to the live show that's going to be filmed wednesday night uh at 8 p.m eastern uh and then of course you can check out the post game show coming on sunday after the conclusion of the game but guys again thank you for watching the falcolic podcast thanks again to anthony for coming on and we will see you next time have a great day folks Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.